This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. What's up, Truth Seekers? Welcome back to the FBI Basement, the podcast where we watch and review every episode of the hit sci-fi TV series, The X-Files, because we have to do something with those free AOL demo series. Today on the pod, we travel back to the early days of online dating with Too Shy. I'm Todd, and I'm joined today by our usual panel of kooks, wackos, and conspiracy theorists. First off, my lovely wife, self-published author, currently lurking in many IRC chat rooms, Shannon. What? Also, our resident artist, professional frightener, and your online girlfriend from Canada, the Oddite Delight, Marissa. Yep, that's where I'm from. And finally, our producer, the admin of the Missile Mass Network, eager to uh, exchange ICQ numbers with you, Valentine. Slap Todd. Slap me with a fish. <laughs> <laughs> Slap me with a large trout. That was the, that was the um, uh, command from IRC. I know that. Each and every episode of the FBI Basement is brought to you free at the point of service because, honestly, we love doing it. But if you like what you hear and want to hear more, you can support us through our Patreon, which you can find at our URL, medicinalmass.com. A donation as little as $1 will get you access to all sorts of extra audio and video goodness and access to our Discord server where the audio sausage is made and where Valentine argues with bots. Delicious sausage. And if you're short on cash, it costs absolutely nothing to rate and review us on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice or share us with your friends and family. As always, though, your listenership is enough. And Too Shy is the sixth episode of season three, originally airing on November 3rd, 1995. It was written by Jeffrey Vlamin and directed by David Nutter. <laughs> it's a monster of the week uh episode uh guest starring timothy carhart and james handy and has nothing to do with the carhart products or services i actually don't know what carhart makes i, I think they make tractors maybe wrenches i know tanya harding owns lots of their shirts okay and before we get started with the recap we have a special word from one of our sponsors are you looking for love? It doesn't seem like all the girls from your sorority have gone on to marriage with kids or found that lesbian commune that fulfills them both spiritually as well as physically. Is your growing fear of choking to death from an undershoot piece from your frozen meal and then eaten by one of the cats that you named after a child that you're just getting too old to have? Well, come on, Karen. Your life is ticking away, and eventually that biological clock is going to become a time womb that's going to go off uterus and only give you cancer. You know, that's why you need to try. Just Settle. Yes, Just Settle finds all the people at the bottom of the internet barrel that you've decided to overlook and hooks them up with willing and lonely women like you. We don't leave any stone unturned. Whether they're a little unattractive, underemployed, or quite possibly a Sasquatch, we'll find someone for you to just settle down with. Joining today is free. Everything else you have to pay for. Join now. You know, I, I kind of want to date a Sasquatch. You don't get to. You're married. You should uh, tell them to follow Sassy Squatch. Oh, they should follow the Sassy Squatch. Sassy Squatch is sassy. Tell them where they can find the Sassy Squatch. Uh, on Facebook at Sassy Squatch. Oh, cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's one of the weirder side projects that we don't often advertise. We never <laughs> advertise. That's the thing. People follow that on their own volition. It's fucking weird. Weird. I love Sassy Squatch. I like that Sassy Squatch speaks like Bootsy Collins in my head. <laughs> now time for the recap. Our story begins in Cleveland, Ohio. Isn't it great to be in the cleave again? <sighs> where, we, where someone has driven their gremlin up to a lover's lane. A handsome and charming suitor is laying down some top-notch game on his date, Lauren. Well, aren't we all handsome and charming suitors, though? Best of the Alleghenies? Uh, no. By the way, Todd wouldn't let me watch that episode of 30 Rock before we did this episode. We at the FBI basement believe in body positivity, but the indication is that she doesn't see a lot of affection because of her weight. The dude showers her with compliments uh, and becomes momentarily bedazzled by a four-leaf clover necklace she's wearing. He moves to seal the deal with a kiss, but her eyes go wide with horror. When she pulls away from the lip lock, she has a big old mouthful of mucus, and she panics as the scene fades. Yeah, he literally sealed the deal. Yep. Tightly around her mouth and nose so that she will suffocate and die painfully. 
He's like a human glue gun. He's somehow scary yet terrible looking at the same time. I don't think he's pretty. Like, not even in, like, Ted Bundy way. The next morning, a patrol cop finds the gremlin parked at the docks. Uh, thinking the occupant is just sleeping off a hangover, he raps on the window. I, I've got a couple of notes here. One, mm-hmm. isn't this where, like, Mulder chased the child in the, uh, the voodoo episode of the X-Files? Where he turned into a cat and he really was just hiding down the aisle? Yeah. Is you UFO? Right. Mulder got distracted and asked the cat if he's a UFO. Uh, two, I also like that the cop, by the way, I like that his name badge is just a number and not a name. Like, he didn't even, like, just bother to put a name. He doesn't have a badge. He just has, like, a nameplate that has a number on it. It's the best thing this, ever. The well, scene uh, seriously reminded me of was a scary movie, too, where the guy comes and he plays his girlfriend to the ceiling because he's been waiting forever. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh. When he gets no response, he wipes some of the condensation off of the window. Condensation. The mother of God, he mutters as he quickly calls in the discovery of a deformed corpse wearing a silver four-leaf clover necklace. Theme music. You're too shy, shy. Hush, hush, hush. I do I. You're too shy, shy. Hush, hush. I do I. Boy, that's the first time anybody's <laughs> thought about Kaja Gugu in years. By the way, do yourself a favor. After you listen to this episode, go find the official video. That hair, bro. Damn. <laughs> Greatly 80s. The agents arrive on scene where the body is being loaded up by an incredibly confused detective who professionally seems grateful for the agent's presence. He is, like, crushing hard on Mulder, who came to the uh, crime scene hungover, I think. Hmm. The body at this point is not much more than a skeleton covered in pink goo, which Mulder adds to his collection. He will report later on whether or not said substance is good to eat. Or for lubrication. You know, he'll figure it out. Does it make me high? Can I? Yeah, it's Mulder's three things are can I fuck it, eat it, or, or masturbate c- with it. Or masturbate with it. Oh, I think that was covered by fuck, or will it get me high, I think, or the other two. <laughs> Mulder believes the case may be related to four missing women in Aberdeen, Mississippi. Uh, only one has been found at this point, but there was too much decomposition for a proper autopsy. Mulder sends Scully to her natural habitat, the coroner's office, while he goes to see if the victim has answered a Lonely Hearts ad, as the previous victims all had. Okay, so I have a question before we move on. Uh, so is the, the so is like the town motto of Aberdeen, Mississippi, come as y'all are? because yeah. <laughs> you know Aberdeen and like Washington State has on their sign come as you are so I was just wondering if Kurt Cobain did not come from Mississippi no I know he didn't he came from Aberdeen Washington and by this point he's dead everything I love is dead come as, y'all as y'all are yeah I don't know I, I will turn it into a Okay, also, um, Lonely Hearts ads. Did we still have those in the 90s? Uh, we had them on Craigslist up until recently. Did you, do you know about my Missed Encounter ad on Craigslist, Todd? No, I don't, but we'll talk about this later. No, this is really great. Like, no, like, I didn't put it, but someone put a missed, like, literally mentioned me in their Missed Encounters ad on a Craigslist from, like, a con we did. Like, this was, like, two years ago. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. How'd you find it? Uh, because my friend Diana, <laughs> because my friend Diana uh, told me about it because it had pertained to the convention that she ran. And I think I know who it is, and I think they're on my Facebook list. Do I need to punch them? No. They save. No. But well, like, no, it's great. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, you're right. No, yeah, chance. No, Missed Encounters is still, by the way, on, on Craigslist. Uh, legislation did not, back page legislation did not completely get rid of that. All right. Can I just turn this into a true crime podcast and be done with it? Elsewhere, the oh. handsome suitor, uh, using the name Timid, but his real name, or his assumed name, uh, is Virgil, <laughs> is uh, engaged in an online chat with a frumpy-looking woman using the screen named Hugs. And trying to talk her in meeting. And back in 95, it was pretty much conventional wisdom that you never met online people in person. 
but that may be entirely lost on today's internet culture. I don't think anyone on this podcast has ever dealt with anyone that they've met online. Right, guys? Nah. Can we talk about how, how unrealistic the usernames are? I mean, you used to be able to have, like, shorter words, but really? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, no uh, Can we also talk about how are they chatting in what looks like probably the word processing software for <laughs> Apple <laughs> computer? I like how they can see each letter as it's being typed. I don't remember that. <laughs> this is almost as bad as the episode of Law and Order from right around the same time where um, Hottie McCutterson, who was not Jesse Elmore and the guy before him, uh, Benjamin Bratt, my God, that was a bad, weird thing. Anybody else remember trolling CompuServe for chicks? Yes. What? Yeah. <laughs> Aim for me. ASL? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a 20-year-old uh, lesbian. <laughs> I think I said that a lot too. Anyway, uh, no, like this is almost as bad as Benjamin Brett sending emails from his laptop and it really just looking like it is probably Microsoft Word from like 98. So, this landlady interrupts the chat to deliver a new storage locker key and believes him to be a novelist what with, with all the typing and all the packages he's getting from publishers. Man, she, she wants the cream filling so bad. Oh, God. Also, I just assumed she was coming to ask him to stop being online. He was tying up the phone line, and there are other people in this house. She's so annoying, she could be a separate monster of the week. <laughs> like, it gets to the point where she's actually asking him to uh, read over some poetry she's written. Okay, how many people have been in that situation where it's like, I too write, oh, oh God. This scene made, like, this entire scene made me so uncomfortable comfortable for so many different reasons and like this is the point where i'm screaming and throwing my keyboard like oh god no run run she's a real monster it's poetry run uh he pretty much agrees to get her to be <laughs> sure why not i will beta read your poetry get the fuck out scully arrives at the coroner's office ready to get right down to the autopsy Woo! uh much to detective cross's uh incredulity. It seems he's got some old-fashioned sensibilities about the place of women folk in law enforcement because he's a fucking sexist asshole. Yeah. He, yeah, it's... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I can't science because of emotions. I feel like that I, this guy is mini is Like, I feel like we are, we are doing that a lot. Oh, God, I can't remember the name of the lady. Oh, God, I just listened to something about her, too. Uh, you know, I'll get back to you on this one. Underwood, Aggie Underwood. It's like literally Aggie Underwood dealing with every man in the LAPD department. Like, you're a dame. Should you be reporting on the horrors of this world? He might as well have just called Sully a dame. And she's just like, but don't you find this stuff disgusting? No. No, I don't. She's most comfortable <laughs> when she's elbow deep in a corpse. Which I believe is a line that we're going to get to later in the season. Scully's having none of it uh, and uh, sends the dick on his way. Uh, she whips out her voice recorder and begins narrating, but stops dead when she sees red liquid leaking from Lauren's drawer. And it's like her weird strawberry dessert has like stepped over and clearly her pie has been ruined. When she opens up the compartment, she finds that the body has been liquefied even further and she gets it all over her shoes. Those were expensive shoes. She's pissed. She had a KFC in there too. Yeah, is warm. this? Yeah, this isn't the part where they like start talking about their weight, is it? Uh, well, first we get to see Mulder talking to Lauren's roommate, who is uh, recounting Lauren's online flirtations with a fellow named Too Shy, and her nervousness uh. at meeting him on account of her weight problem. Uh, for in, for less tech savvy, she explains a bit about uh, this newfangled chat rooms are. <laughs> well, I'm sure Mulder has spent countless nights surfing CompuServe for Bigfoot porn. I believe I may have talked to him. I really feel like I've talked to him in my like, early internet days. While she goes off to fetch hard copies of Too Shy's love letters, which she was keeping for reasons. Okay, seriously? Who the fuck? Wait, no. I'm gonna... I, I had a note here that said who the fuck keeps prints out their chat logs and emails. And um, now I must look in the mirror of the abyss of 14-year-old Shannon. Uh, Mulder phones Scully, who is standing ankle deep in Lauren. Uh, it turns out that Mulder's hunch was right. That he, Shai had used one of the Aberdeen victims' credit cards to pay for his prodigy account. <laughs> because he couldn't find the AOL discs that you could have gotten for free, like the uh, 350 free hours of AOL. 
Scully tells Mulder to get his ass to the morgue. The pink goo from earlier turns out to be a viscous hydrochloric acid. <laughs> so not edible or hiable and probably should not put on penis. Yeah, Mulder's like, God, my crotch is really burning. What's that? Oh, nothing. I just, nothing. Uh, apparently it was strong enough to make the victim's bones squishy, and of course the enzyme would have contained broken down bits of Lauren's bones, muscles, skin, and hair. Uh, but Mulder postulates that fatty tissue may be missing, as Lauren's driver's license had her at a whopping 165 pounds, but the corpse came in at a buck 20. Only a man to catch that number. <laughs> you know, that's not fat. That's, that's not obese. That's, that's chubby. That is that is chubby, but it's also my target weight, and now I'm now I'm mad. Leaving the agents to wonder why the killer would remove the fat from his victims and just how in the hell is he doing it? Um, I know, I know. Um yes. season five of Doctor Who, I think. Is that, oh, is that the, it? The dancing adipose? Aw. Yeah. <laughs> Aw, they were so cute. Uh, Hugs is getting dressed up for her date with Timid, but due to the online warning that her much more sensible roommate uh, brings to her attention. That was somehow put out by the FBI to chat room servers. In Ohio. I, in Ohio. I, I'm i not going to say you can't do it, that it is somehow magic. I just don't understand how you could do it at this time. For the moment, it seems that uh, common sense is winning out and, she's, and she uh, decides against it. Uh, Virgil awaits his date out front of the pink French restaurant, but uh, seems devastated at the realization that he's been stood up. A dejected, he walks off to drown his sorrows in the plumpest hooker in Cleveland. How is she the fattest hooker in Cleveland? <laughs> it's Cleveland. I mean, I get it, you know. Those and, are some attractive hookers, too, weren't they? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, I would say they're probably Manhattan Five, which would make them a Cleveland 10. Um... <laughs> I am literally quoting an episode of 30 Rock, by the way. So. Uh, but uh, the two go off into a dark alley to do the deed, but things turn ugly rather quickly when it turns out that this girl follows the Julia Roberts no-kissing rule. I didn't... I don't... Okay. How many hookers follow this? None. I've not, I've, you know, I've not ever... I don't know. I'm guessing none, but... Very flat, I don't know right there. <laughs> okay. Guess we don't have any experts on hookers in here. <clears throat> do, we have, do, do we have any experts on you know blackjack though? Because uh, no, Aww. he tries to force the issue, which he fights back, landing a scratch on Timmy's hand. But in the end, he takes her down. Another hooker is coming by with her own John and to make her, her pay for the evening. But they catch Timmy in the middle of performing oral liposuction. He runs off. And that's why he remembers that he has a wife at home. Did he hiss at them? Or like, <laughs> he no, should have. He didn't. <laughs> he should have. Uh, he really should have. Uh, they catch sight of his victim's goo-covered corpse, which instantly kills any of the John's potential owners for the coming week. Oh, God. Oh, God. This guy's uh, name, uh, Brendelfly? Yes. I, I don't get that. <laughs> it's from uh, The Fly, when, when the fly and the man become one with Brendelfly. He's speaking like liquefies people. Come on, man. God, I love that movie. Another morning after another crime scene, the agents and detective cross stand over the goo covered body of last night's hooker, who was known to the local PD for not usually being plan A for most Johns. <laughs> okay. Again, they're in Cleveland. Why is she not plan A? I would assume she is plan A. I mean, uh, how did they come by that knowledge? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why do we need to know this? Like how, does uh, the, how did they find out, though? It's like, they, they busted a couple guys, they're like, yeah, she wasn't my first pick, but, you know, I waited too long, and... I mean, so after, fucked up. Like, like let's just like, kick the, like, you know, I you, you hear a lot, especially if you're someone like me, who listens to a lot of true crime, and they talk about the less dead, which often, unfortunately, in this country, especially, ends up being sex workers, uh, LGBTQ, and, um, homeless which some of those you know are very large lapping circles in the venn diagram and maybe then one of the reasons that they're so that are high-risk targets is because not a lot of people care i don't know if anyone literally is going to kick the victim while they're down and dead to be like yeah 
she's not plan A, and usually she's not even plan B. Like, seriously. Let's really just... awkward dialogue. <laughs> that is some awkward AF dialogue right there. And this is coming on the, the heels of um, uh, Detective Cross mentioning his old-fashioned ideals to Scully, so I guess... You know what? I bet he was all... Uh, you know what? I bet she was his plan A. Always. And he just doesn't want to admit it because, you know, he's got some old fashioned ideals about dames and frauds. It turns out she's got the same mistake goo covering her air passages. Mulder notes that in his love letters to Lauren, he quotes excerpts from several Italian poems, though these are not the, like the works of Lord Byron. <laughs> these are from obscure texts from privately owned libraries that only lend to academic affiliates. You know, when I hear about obscure texts in private libraries, I'm thinking like the fucking Necronomicon. <laughs> I'm thinking Lovecraft here. Italian poetry. That's the good stuff there. Yep, yep, yep. Bitches love Italian poetry. Clatu verata nictu. Necktie. Nichols. <laughs> Therefore, indicating the killer must be a college professor or a grad student. We all yearn for a simpler time when obscure poems were enough to get you laid. That was a time? Apparently. <laughs> Back in his apartment. I, I don't know. I, I was a fat girl in the 90s. I probably would have. I would have at least gone down. I would have at least second base. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, Back in his apartment, uh, Virgil is tending to his wounds with scissors, like you do. Uh, when a package arrives for him, heading down to pick it up, he has an encounter with the landlady's blind teenage daughter, Jessie, who apparently finds some creepy and thinks he smells of dish soap. And then also just stares blankly at a spot that is not directly at the camera, because blind. Yeah, can we, like, mention that that's not how blind people function? Like, they still have ears, and they will still direct their attention towards who they're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're humans. As if, as if, well, she did well. Her acting's great. But she no, no, blind. it's great. And unfortunately, she doesn't do a lot of acting after that. Or fortunately, maybe she was just like, fuck this. But I, why is it? Why? Well, I guess they really needed to uh, establish that she has a powerful sense of smell to make, to make up for her lack of sight, which I'm sure will be paid off later in the episode. You know what? Fuck you. She is not Matt Murdock. She was not hit by toxic shit. She doesn't have super senses. This is not a thing that really happens. Back at the station, uh, Mulder reveals skin samples were devoid of any kind of oils or essential fatty acids. Okay, can, can I just say that I thought that said essential oils? <laughs> I like how a lot of the but, Monster of the Weeks uh, consist of people with skin conditions. <sighs> Join us next week when Mulder and Scully <laughs> have to deal with psoriasis. <laughs> Uh, and for the first time in episode, he has himself a crackpot theory. Yay! He believes that the slings are not done out of psychosis, but out of hunger, a need to replenish his own deficiency, and that he, like a scorpion, is secreting the acid to pre-digest his victim's fat for harvesting. Scully, of course, is skeptical. Despite all the weird shit she's seen personally up to this point, I mean, if she can accept the truth of tombs, why is this so way up there? Anybody? Uh, I think she's nailing down her character pretty good. She like believes one thing one week, doesn't the next week, and we just don't know where the fuck she lands on it. I mean, this guy is less weird than Tombs, right? It's like, you know, the serial killers that they've dealt with... Are some kind of mutant trying to get some are kind always of... Like, they are always truly a mutant trying to get something to complete. I, I feel like I'm seeing something different with Scully on this like million three watch. I don't know why I'm seeing it now. But that she, uh, she does believe it, but she's just not, she's just going to berate him with like logic parade. Yeah, she wasn't <laughs> willing to outright just believe it right away. But it, yeah, she, she, after that body liquefied in front of her, she's pretty much like, okay, I guess I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nevertheless, they have their list of academics to comb through and plan to divvy up the suspects among the police. The Scully wants to brief the officers before they hit the streets and cross agrees after a dramatic moment of internal misogyny <sighs> this this by the way this subplot leads fucking nowhere okay why are you surprised no i've got it, it leads somewhere I'll, I'll bring it up at the end <laughs> uh, back at virgil's place he gets an email from hugs apologizing for standing him up and begging for another try 
He seems pleased until a knock comes at the door. There's a brief fake-out scene with Mulder and Scully questioning different suspects, but it's Detective Cross to see Timid. As he enters, he notices the bandage around Timid's hand and looks alarmed. Da-da-da! Back at HQ, the canvassing has turned up nothing, but Scully notes the detective has yet to report in. Later at a restaurant, Timid and Hugs have finally had their date. Hugs offers to pick up the tab for the meal, but Timid insists on painting. This, uh, this scene's funny, too. It looks like she kept her, her hair from the night before, and then she just didn't do anything. She slept with it and then went right to the next date with it. Like, eh, I'm still dressed and I look fine. As he goes <sighs> for the wallet, she notices the skin under his cuff seems dry and peeling, which he explains away as a kind of eczema he's had since childhood. She drives him back to his apartment, a building that uh, and he attempts to seal the deal with the promise of some exotic poetry. Seriously, it can't be that effective. But he, but she is still hesitant to take the next step, so he angrily leaves the car. And this is what shitty people refer to as negging. Yeah, but no, this is like a classic pickup artist move, right? Is it? Is it really? I think backhanded compliments is is really the the classic. Uh, say she looks nice, and it could have looked better, and. <laughs> Maybe she'll be better next time. <laughs> really dig into her. I honestly don't know because I don't read pickup artist books. Because I'm not a shitty person. At least I'm not that shitty. While the two are in the car, landlady is barging into his apartment like she owns the place. Well, technically she does. To drop off an envelope of poetry. She leans it against his bookshelf for some reason, where two flies land, which immediately thinks that Nietzsche is there somewhere. Might have been more than five people on that list. Uh, seeking out the sources of the insect, she stumbles upon Detective Cross slowly dissolving in a bathtub full of goo. And she lets out a silent scream as Timid enters the door. What the Back hell was up with that, that? His front door. It was like a gap under it was almost as big as a, a bathroom stall door. I've never seen a door with a big of a gap at the bottom. I was just wondering how thick that. Uh, wondering at how thick that uh, stack of poems was. Yeah, it still could get through. <laughs> like he was gonna read all that. How th- yeah. Yeah, how thick? Oh, God. I mean, I don't doubt that she has, like, over a thousand pages of poetry. Um, she's that kind of person. But, jeez. They still had that fly when he left over. They had to use those, uh, those maggots are starting to hatch. Yeah. Back from the commercial, Jessie pays a visit to the killer, asking about the whereabouts of her mother, who hasn't come back from her poetry class. He says she, he's not seen her and tries to send her on her way, but she stumbles on a suitcase placed near the door. After explaining that he was on his way to New York, grabs her rather roughly and shoves her away. Apparently, she caught the scent of her mom's perfume, which tipped her off that something wasn't right. She calls the police who arrive double time to kick in the door, finding the landlady and Cross dead inside. Seems he's been operating under the name Virgil Encanto, which is right up there with Harvey Danger and Ron Mexico in the Hall of Fame of Fake Names, a freelance translator of Italian texts, and has no known means of identification. You mean Carlos Danger? Because Harvey Danger was banned. Oh, Carlos Danger. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Mulder knows that he's not headed for the Big Apple, though, and believes that his next direction will be towards one of his victims. The field office attempts to hack his computer, but the files they recover? Password protected. So they'll have to brute in, in the force matrix. it. They'll have to brute force it. It's, and it's, like, you know, it's all just like green uh, digital goulash scrolling up a black screen, too. Oh god, this is one of my favorite scenes. This is absolute nonsense and no actual uh, no one actually Hang on, this. it will take me some time to crack it. Eventually you don't have time. Yes. What if I hit this number and then it literally just it's like more goulash. It's great. Yes. They find his little black book. Virgil's already back at Hugs's place. After the earlier disappointment, she's rather reluctant to let him in, but he manages to guilt trip her in with the specter of their first attempted meeting. This is some kind of gaslighting or emotional blackmail. This is such gaslighting. This is like a classic, like, this is literally like a video that they would have shown, like, me in, like, sophomore PE when we're doing health class, but it's like, how to avoid psychological abuse. And, like, this is literally, like, that bad. It's, like, almost the plot of every LMN movie I've ever seen. And I don't know how many of those I've seen. Of course, she flips from, you know, nervous to excited really quick once he's in the door. She makes a coffee for him and then goes off to get dressed. Can't resist jumping online to check her email and send a, and, and send a brag to send a brag to her girlfriend. Humble brag to her girlfriend. Good God! Oh my God! <laughs> Just in time for her to see the warning pop up on her computer with along with a sketch of the of the killer. Oh my God! The huge shark eyes. I see it now. 
there was i don't think there was a way to do a do a do a warning like this over the internet back then was there i i don't know like this is the thing it all feels really preposterous to me this is like in scream when she calls the police through her computer like she instant messages them it's yeah it's <laughs> sort of like that that actually makes slightly more sense because it's like the tty stuff which is what you which there's actually like there's a way to do it using that i've always wondered uh, about that yeah it's she she gets in there presses the on button on her computer and within 10 seconds she's sending an im and also the other funny thing is how long it took for that single line drawing to download onto her screen like it was worth it's, it. <laughs> it's it is almost like the end of the usual suspects when they send the pick when they send like the artist rendering of like kaiser soza to uh the cops and then like kevin spacey just leaves that's what it kind of like i'm like this is this is the usual suspects it just reminds me of jerking off in, in, in the early 2000s and you, you end up coming to tits before you can ever get to the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you had Scrambled porn on porn. the TV. Who, who else watched scramble porn on the TV? I think I can see your vagina. Uh, well, the audio wasn't scrambled. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You just have to use your imagination. Yeah, the, the trick is to close your eyes. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I was a very imaginative lad. Pretty much imagined what hooters looked like. Hooters? Did you say hooters? Yeah, I know. You, you look at your mom, you know pretty much what they look like. Oh, fuck. Stop I, looking at my mom. I don't want to be a part of this this podcast anymore. <laughs> what is even happening? He enters her room just as she realizes how absolutely fucked she is. <gasps> Agents are on scene and they burst into her darkened apartment. They find her still alive, but with her face covered in Virgil's goo. Mulder gives chase out the window, and Scully calls in an ambulance with a chemical burn unit. She goes to find something to stop the acid in the bathroom. Virgil is, pu- is pulling a crycheck and hiding in the shower. He does that. Does he also yell surprise, bitch, or what up, I got a big cock? Because I feel like that's what... <laughs> oh, wait, that's how I write crycheck. He lunges for her, wrestling her to the ground, and prepares to secrete his acid to her face, which... You ever have like someone like you have like an older sibling to sort of pin you down? Dangling the spit. Yeah. No. Yeah, we've all been there. No. That was a pretty intense scene. Like he he comes out of the shower and he just bashes her head into the into the mirror, but she's like fighting back. She like kicks him and goes for his knee, and she's actually beating the shit out of him. Oh, she does karate now. She does kung fu. Yeah, like at this point, Scully is kind of sort of fuck you with being the whole damsel in distress thing. Scully uh, stabs him with the scissors that Hugs used to trim her eyebrows. Uh, Right. For her eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have no idea. Also, leave my aunt alone. Thank you very much. Before he can make a second go, he catches a bullet from a pissed-off-looking Hugs, which is an emphatic way to dump your online boyfriend. I I don't know. At this point, all of mine says, I'm going to say, fuck me, run and then proceeded to bang head on keyboard for 45 minutes. This was insert trope here of every battered woman who ends up in jail for killing her abuser. Yeah, this is this ends like an element with it. Yeah, this is an element movie. Anyone notice that Scully just dead ass left her gun on the floor? Yeah. I expect like, that shit from Mulder. Come on, Scully. <laughs> you know better, Dana. You're a doctor. And also take down your goddamn Christmas tree. Holster that um, shit. Didn't Mulder have to use her phone or somebody's phone? Like, did he? Is he lose his phone again? And he didn't have one in this episode. No, I think he was just trying to save minutes. He needs minutes, yo. It is the nineties. He probably only had like so many minutes. I think he only had like a hundred and some minutes. Calling on on weekends or nighttime yet? I think the FBI cut him off from the. I uh, bet they're on roaming. The FBI cut him off of the uh, cut him off of the cell plan when you spent when you called all those nine hundred numbers, right? (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Uh, later in an interrogation room, dry, a dried out peeling Virgil is confirming his list of victims with the agents. As Covered Mulder, in oatmeal. As Mulder leaves, he has a brief exchange with Agent Scully. When you look at me, you see a monster. But I was just feeding the hunger. You're more than a monster. You didn't just feed on their bodies. You fed on their minds. My weakness was no greater than theirs. I gave them what they wanted. They gave Not me what anymore. I needed. Not anymore. I morti non sono puyu soli. The dead are no longer lonely. <laughs> great, great guys. Oh, great God. Guys. None of us are actors. <laughs> Say it again. 
so angry. I'm working on solo with more soul. I'm I'm working on solo pusoli, pusoli, huh? Bitch, you are the only one of us who's actually Italian. I should know this. I had grandparents speaking Italian almost half the time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Scully leaves in disgust, and we get one last look at Virgil's face as we fade to black. Delicious oatmeal face. Yeah, what do you think of the makeup work on this, Marissa? I, I wanted to talk about this because um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm thinking back to hosts, and I'm wondering if they do applications instead of just like building on someone's face with latex. But they did something that I do and I used to do is they just build layers of latex instead of having a pre-made thing. That's why it doesn't look that great. It's not great for theater anymore or for TV anymore. Definitely not HD. It looks like it looks like tissue that is kind of wet and glossy tissue paper. And that's basically what it is. <laughs> just latex and again, paper. Yeah, and again, let's keep in mind that we are watching this and it's probably not meant to be watched on our TV or your computer camera or whatever, and maybe some of these effects don't look great, or they just don't. They thought that when they were shooting it, like, oh man, you think uh, you think they're ever going to use this HD film or recording it? Nah, they'll never get that good at. That's what's confusing was because sometimes <laughs> I really think, like now I'm thinking of ice that they use application soft looking things that belong there and they and they last. Like the thing lasts all those. Mm-hmm. All, and I think maybe they remastered the episodes a little bit, or else they look like really shitty. I don't understand why they switch between the two so often applications and then just roughly throwing a bunch of crap together on it. Uh, I'm going to call it uh, a problem of budget because Ah. I would think some episodes got more money and some got less and the less ones are better. We're we're, we're coming off an episode and I don't know, I can't confirm the the production order, but we're coming off an episode where uh, Chris Carter had them build an entire death row set and not well and to, to the not point that, well. that drove that episode let, let me and correct myself right here i've been saying applications i meant to say appliances i feel like an idiot now they're called appliances <laughs> okay well and i think between that and then we get to the myth art episodes where there are some just massive fucking sets that get built and some potential weird location shots that we get into like and especially when we get to maybe like not so much like me saying 731, although there are some effects there that look very expensively done. But when we get to, but like, you know, uh, maybe when I, we get to Piper Maru and Apocrypha, where they have to build a fucking UFO on set, that might make these other episodes uh, not well um, produced. You know, that's, there's a good point on this. Uh, I remember hearing about uh, certain episodes of Star Trek would do episodes they call bottle shows, which were episodes that would take place entirely on the Enterprise. I think they did them mostly on like on like Next Generation. Maybe they did a couple in uh, the original series. But the idea was, if you needed to cut costs, throw a bottle show in, because you didn't have to pay any extra money for sets to be built or anything like that. Yeah, so- that's kind of where I'm thinking with this is that it's like. Oh, holy shit, Ryan Reynolds is in an episode of The X-Files. Weird. Uh, um, S-Y-G-Y-Z-Y. Yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, get to syzygy. it. Syzygy. Uh, no, but that's what I'm saying, is that you get to these sort of more elaborate myth art episodes, and then you get to the ones that Chris Carter does, and those, I feel, have much more money in them, and especially when we get more into myth art and yeah, just, that just... fucking eye effect that we're going to have to deal with for two fucking episodes. Oh, wait until, just wait until um, uh, they actually have the money to do a movie. Oh, fuck that movie. Fuck uh, that movie. God help us all. Fuck that movie. We're going to have to do that movie, aren't we? Okay. Uh, You're going to make me do that movie. I got, I got a couple of other thoughts on this episode. Um, uh, once again, I think that Detective Cross's misogyny went absolutely nowhere. And I want to, uh, I, I, Val, you said you, Val, you said you had some thoughts on this and... Let's right. hear it. Not to not to blame the victims or anything. Okay. But who deserved to be killed more? The misogynist cop or the woman who was asking for, regardless of whether her child wanted her to keep banging dudes on the side or or, or, or what. But I feel like she clearly got a hint to like stay away and she like wanted it. And then this dude also needed it. Like I What the fuck, Mel? What? So you're saying, are, are you perhaps saying that, that Detective Cross had to be a dickhead for the purpose of 
making it okay for Virgil to kill him later. Yeah, we didn't see him after the fact. Like, we didn't see him at all. Nor do we no, see we... that uh, little girl after they, <laughs> after they end up, you know. Like, she's after that, like, heartbreaking scene with, with Scully, we don't ever see her again. Like, that, that chick. Yeah, what the fuck is going to happen to that little girl? She's, she's blind. She's been raised by a single parent, apparently. And we don't know where her dad is. We don't know if her dad is dead or if he's an abusive asshole or anything. So here's the thing too. That, that little girl played her part perfectly. Like she couldn't see how disappointing her, her mother's suitors look, but she sure as fuck could hear them every night. And she was fed up with it. You know, I, I wonder about the, I wonder about this. It's like, you know, what happened to that girl now? And like, cause that's just going to bug me. That's another thing that just sort of, she disappears off the episode pretty quickly, but then again, the maybe episode was a good thing. Maybe she actually ended up in a house where her mother actually cared about her instead of like yelling at her for not finding the drop cloths. Um, she's blind, by the way. Like, did you get those drop cloths yet? I, I'm blind, and I don't. <laughs> I I don't know what they look. I I don't know what they look like. Oh, they are blue. Like, hopefully, she went to a, a family that blind. could afford to give her a blind person stick. <laughs> Like, I, maybe I'm just the asshole in this episode. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, these are legitimate questions. Where the fuck are you supposed to have the drop cloths? You blo- I, I, yeah, you know, no, no, that that bothers me too. It's that it's like she's there, and then okay. So the cop didn't deserve to get it then, and she did. I, I think that we had uh, to pick one. I, I think everyone should die, but that's me. Um, <laughs> agreed. <laughs> Everyone deserves to die. Uh, and this is like, you know, this goes back to like the whole genesis of the widely spread internet. This is back in 1995. Attractive people aren't on the internet yet because there's no Instagram. Cute people didn't come to the internet before MySpace. I am almost certain this is a fact. So I'm not cute? <laughs> oh, you, shit, son. You want a shovel here? Or... How you got to dig your way out of this one? I, I got a rope. I'm not cute, huh? Huh? That's true, actually. We didn't have the internet in this house until, like, 98. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's sort of, but this was, like, goes back to the, like, there was no, there was no easy way to post a picture of yourself on the internet back then. People don't get this. I can, I can click up my phone, take a selfie of myself. I swear to God, you take a selfie right now and I'm in it, I will murder you on the live stream in front of your mom. And your mom don't even know how to use the internet. I can take a picture of myself. <laughs> I'm still in it. There's no way. This room is too small. I can, take I can a picture see myself in that picture. Right now, I, can I can fucking see myself in that goddamn my picture. Twi- I can post it to my Twitter. I will kill you. You're not in the picture. Your fancy plants couldn't fix that. <laughs> I will murder you on live stream. And she ain't even got the internet. I can tweet the picture right now while we're recording. I feel like this is taking longer than it should. <laughs> <laughs> the internet. The internet. A lesson in four parts. Brought to you by the I FBI basement. I want to go to bed. Your explanation is taking too long. And there, it's done. You couldn't do that in 1995. <laughs> by the way, follow me on uh, Todd on Fire on Twitter to see the uh, picture that I just posted. <laughs> to prove a to prove a point. You couldn't do this. Digital cameras were fucking expensive. Scanners were fucking expensive. And you'd have to, have a, you'd have to like use the one at your office. And then your boss is like, why are you using the scanner for personal per- personal reasons? That's for scanning documents. Right? I feel like Todd got fired from a couple of jobs. But it's like, no, I have to, I have to take, take these <laughs> Polaroid pictures that I took and post them to my Angel Fire website. Or at GeoCities. And uh, because otherwise, all that uh, all the images I have are animated gifts that I picked up off the library, including Mister Skeletal. Doot. <laughs> we are in a point where, like, so looking back at the nascent internet, as it was seen from this, never mind the kind of paranoia that came about because of this kind of thing. The, the, all the horror stories you would hear about, ooh, I, someone went and met this guy online and he was a serial killer. Nowadays, you use your phone on the internet to summon a stranger in a car that you get into to get to a place. I summoned a stranger, yeah, to last a stranger on the internet. I summoned a stranger to my hotel room last night and he brought me curry chicken. That's right. 
Like we are, uh, it, it, there's no more strangers anymore, man. The whole paradigm has been flipped <laughs> completely. Where was I? I feel like this is turning into a Black Mirror thing. Did I? Did I? Like the medicinal mass network presents many crime podcasts, including FBI Basement and. Yeah, we've got to do some disseminate some information. Okay, uh, first off, I actually have something this week. Uh, I have obtained through various means a copy of the first X-Files PlayStation game. A legitimate legal copy. 100% legitimately legal. I don't do illegal things. I am going to figure out, dear watchers, dear listeners, how to live stream this eventually. Um, uh, And we're going to set up a special event for that, so keep your eyes peeled on the Medicinal S website and our Twitter accounts, because we'll be making announcements on that rather soon, I should say. Because we've got to figure out how to pipe our Discord into the feed and get everybody good solid riffing. It's a, it's a absolutely atrocious game, but like most full motion video games are, uh, and uh, we'll have a lot to say about it when we finally do. Now, uh, for the people who actually have stuff that they can present to you in the here and now, uh, here is my wife Shannon to tell us about the books that she writes. I keep pulling dog hairs out of my microphone. I don't. I don't know why you keep giving the microphone to the dog. What? Books. You should read them. They're magic. <laughs> oh, also, uh, I write some of them. You can type in to your AOL search uh, keyword SC Huff writes and try to find me on the internet. Or you could just go to schuffwrites.com uh, using, I don't know, Prodigy, Net- Opera, Netscape. Netscape. Netscape Navigator. Netscape Navigator. You can type that into your address bar on Netscape Navigator. Uh, or you can try to find me on Amazon as SC Huff Writes. I'll also be hosting an IRC chat talking about Earth 2 and then flaming it uh, later tonight. Okay. Love that show. And uh, our resident artist. And uh, soon to be, we're going to be live streaming these at some point, right? I could, I could do that. I could do that. Are people going to get to see the ducks? You're making. Oh God, you don't want to see what the duck looks like right now. <laughs> I kind of do. So that'll be a fun thing for future. But if you want, but she also does uh, commissions at reasonable prices. Yes, I do. You can find me on Facebook at uh, O D D E L I. Fuck it. Um, there's a link. <laughs> I'm in the 3D art. No one cares. Go to the link. Prices are very reasonable. Yeah, like I do like ten baseline, ten dollar baseline for commissions, and then you move on from there. Uh, message me. Find me on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not just your co-host, folks. I am a client. She drew a picture of me as a pickle. It remains my Discord um uh, avatar to this day. She also did the art for the FBI basement. Yeah, art. I call it art. Art. <laughs> and finally, uh, we go to Val to tell us all about the other fun things on the medicinal mass. Yeah, uh, we got some cool podcasts, and if you want to click the links below, I'll be narrating uh, a few audiobooks, and the newest one I'm working on is a pickup book. It's called The Perfect Lines for the Perfect Ass. Literally? Is that literally what it's Uh, called? No, no, that's a good one, though. I should look for that. (laughs) Oh, that duck is great. Anyway. Okay, um, and this is what you're missing if you're not contributing to our Patreon and seeing the Discord, because she is posting drawings of ducks. No, no 3D models of ducks. It's a 3D rendering of a mallard. I don't know, it looks more like a broken light bulb on top of a picture of a duck. <laughs> Shh, it's a duck. All right, yeah, but definitely show up on the uh, show up on Medicinal Mess to um, uh, check that out. I think we're changing the Discord from just for the X Files to be a the, for the whole network now. Uh yeah, that's that's it. It's a coming. It's a coming. Stay tuned, it's Patreon, coming. if you're still oh, yeah. listening. <laughs> please, please keep listening. Anyway, okay. So we are uh, going to give our final reviews of the episode here. I'm going to give this one uh, a disappointing blind date. Shannon? Uh, I'm going to give this a C plus for its research paper, and then I'm going to ask that it just needs to talk to me after class. Uh, Marissa? I'm going to block this one on all my accounts, but still kind of admit I like it. 
a little. <laughs> kind of. And Valentine? Uh, this one is definitely an intense French kissing session that turns into somehow getting French kissed in your nose. Uh, it's, it's there, I guess. <laughs> it was you know it's an episode I, I saw a lot of tombs in this episode it's another mutant that's that is harvesting, yeah. harvesting some kind of um uh, something from somebody that it needs to survive we've got at least one more of these coming at least one more um like the cancer eating monster oh god yeah we're gonna mm. spoilers right okay mm. but uh why don't you tell us what we got going on next week mm. Say, do you like episodes of Psychic Retribution from beyond somewhere, from someplace? Oh, but I feel like the writers do. Would you like an episode that goes in no direction for no reason and then doesn't explain what the fuck is going on? Uh, sure. Look, we're going to have like two episodes of this kind of shit back to back. Two? Like it's half the series? Like it's literally half this season is just basically this. So, you know, just accept it. Next week, we're going to have the walk. Okay. The FBI basement comes to you via the Medicinal Mass Network, run by Valentine Strand. You can find the uh, FBI basement on most Thursdays now. We're getting back into the groove of it. And on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and Google Play, and probably a few other places, we have seen the cassette deck. You can produce cassette tapes on demand. High quality. All Patreons will be getting... uh the music sessions we do on cassette so you can rock out in your shitty car. Awesome. Banging. For Valentine, Shannon, and Marissa, I'm Todd saying goodnight, and the truth is out there. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network. Those and are some attractive hookers, too, aren't they? Yeah, well, I mean... In recording. <laughs> what the fuck, Val? <laughs> because I'm not a shitty person. Mother of God.